Welcome to Freedom Now with Peter Asanful. Freedom Now is brought to you by the Spirit Life People, a ministry that focuses on teaching you how to live and walk in the Spirit so that you can manifest Christ's freedom in your life. It is our prayer that you shall be transformed as you receive the word from the Lord today. And now, here's your host, Peter Asanful. Brethren, I declare to you the what? The gospel. The gospel. Which I preached to you, which was which also you received, and in which you stand. So the gospel that you receive is it is what makes you to stand. The good news that you receive is what makes you to stand. Until you receive that good news, you cannot stand. Amen. And he said, By which also you are saved. If you hold fast to that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all, say first of all, that which I also received, that is what he delivered, that Christ died for our sins. Say Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500, and 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, by whom, by some, sorry, have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. But I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Amen. So three things constitute the gospel. When we are talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we are talking about the full gospel, there are three main things that you must take note of. What makes what Jesus did for us a good news? Why are you sitting here celebrating him? Celebrating what he did? These three things, without these three occasions or events, then there's no good news. Then there's nothing for any man to celebrate about. But because Jesus did these three things, we have so much to celebrate about. Paul talked about three things here. The very first one. He said in the verse 3, that Christ died for our sins. Say Christ died for our sins. Are you here with me? Say Christ died for our sins. The reason it is good news is because Jesus died for my sins. Say Jesus died for my sins. No, come on. Are you here? Say Jesus died for my sins. Then he went on to say that and that he was buried. Say he was buried. And the third thing that you must take note of is that he rose again. Now, until you put these three together, there's no good news. Until you have the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no full gospel. So, full gospel is not about preaching Genesis to Revelation. The full gospel is about talking and preaching and telling the world about the death, 
which what is we are marking today the good friday the burial and what and what and what the resurrection now without the resurrection and in fact the resurrection is so critical because it's a resurrection out of which you and i we came out from the church came out of the resurrection amen somebody so if jesus had died and then he was buried and never came back to life you and now we still don't have a hope are you here with me somebody so jesus died he was buried and then he came back to life so that by believing in his resurrection that he has come back to life you and i we have hope and this is the good news praise the lord somebody now so jesus did all of these three things on our behalf and that is why it's so good news because you and i were supposed to have been doing what he did you and i were supposed to have died use our own life to pay for the price of our sins then what happened god realized that no human being could ever ever dream to die for his or her own sin so there was something that ought to have done jesus was sent by god to die in our place jesus died in my place so that at the end of the day you and i we could be saved so the question many people have asked i know they say that i mean if jesus died what has that got to do with me i am not a sinner they claim they say i'm not a sinner i have not sinned before i don't lie i don't cheat i don't steal i don't do all those things so why do you want me to believe that jesus died for me and why do you want me to be happy about jesus death now listen the way god looks at things is not how the world looks at things you better understand this today are you following me how do we come into this world how do we come into this world now go to genesis i want to show you something little so that you would you will appreciate what we are doing but to this message if you missed it you have missed something really big now look at genesis chapter number one verse number 26 genesis chapter number one verse number 26 they said then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let him have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creep on what on the earth so god created who he created who he created man and what happened to man and then god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish the sea over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth now go to the next chapter chapter 2 go to chapter 2 look at verse 7 can we all read it together verse 7 genesis chapter 2 verse 7 let's all read it together if you are there how many of you are there genesis chapter 2 verse 7 now let's read it with the thunders for together one to go and the lord god from man upward the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and breath of life and man became what a living soul or a living being i'm reading from the new king james said and man became a living being so who gave birth to man god because god came out of what man came out of god god created man for a purpose for god's own purpose are you getting it and god gave man instructions he told him what to do if i when you read when you go down 
he talks about the fact that he said out of all the trees that i've given you in the garden you are free to eat of all the trees but that of the knowledge of good and evil you shall know what eat it for the day you eat of it you shall surely die that is what god told them he said the day you eat it you shall surely die now god created only two people meanwhile when we read chapter 1 verse 26 to 28 it has said that be fruitful and what multiply so god was expecting adam and eve to make sure that at the end of the day even though they were the only two people that had come into the world they will increase they will multiply they will replenish the earth and fill it so out of those two men every single human being that ever walked on this surface came through are you here with me somebody i'm building a point follow me everybody came out of adam and eve everybody now if you like trace it you think your father gave birth to you somebody gave birth to your father and mother somebody also gave birth to your father and mother you know it goes when you trace and you go back 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 you are going to land to adam and eve there's no way you're going to go all of us are going to land back there because we all came from that place are you here with me now which means that everything that adam and eve they did had the potential of, of affecting their seed there are some families in the world right now the children are continuing the fight that their grandparents started have you not said some before even in ghana here there are some place what's the name of that place i say alaveno some some place like that in the in the volta region they are fighting they they are continuing the fight that their great 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 started now the guys who are there right now in that in that town or village they didn't they, they didn't even know what happened all that they know is that as soon as they gave birth to them these people they are sworn enemies <laughs> you don't do anything with them if you see them kill them that is all that they know now they didn't they, they didn't fight they didn't start the war they didn't start any conflict but what happened they just came to meet it and they are continuing so something that happened or something that someone did is being continued by a generation that had nothing to do with that thing and there are many examples like that so whatever adam did from day one affected everyone that came upon the earth are you getting what i'm teaching now so whether you sin or you did not sin whether you think you sin or you did not sin somebody sinned for you your grandfather adam and eve that is what they did god told them don't eat of this plant the very day you eat of it you shall die and yes they did it and they ate it that is why sin entered the world are you getting it so don't just look at yourself and say wow i didn't do anything god what have i done i have never stolen before i have never lied so i have not seen ah, that's not how god deals with us who is your origin your origin was your your great grand adam and eve and what they did affected everyone now meaning that everyone who now came into the world was full of sin satan came into the world the authority that god gave adam and his wife eve he now handed over to satan and satan now became the master of the human race and he influenced them to do evil sin is the reason there's sickness and disease in the world sin is the reason there's murder sin is the reason there's all of the wicked thing that is things that are going on in the world because someone decided not to listen to god and he went his own way he listened to the voice of the enemy and the enemy thought the enemy got every single authority that god had given to man 
So that is why when you read Romans chapter 3, go to Romans chapter number 3. I'm just trying to give you a foundation why the death of Jesus and the burial and the resurrection is so important. Romans chapter number 3. Romans chapter number 3. Now look at verse number 23. Romans chapter number 3, verse number 23. It says, For all. Did it say for some? It said, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Now the word sin in the Greek means hamatia. Hamatia means to fall short. To, to, to come short. You understand? So when men sin, when all has sinned through Adam, everybody before Jesus came had fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we were living a life below God's glory. We were living a life below the standard that God wanted man to live. God wanted man to live. Sin brought death. So people were dying. If not for sin, nobody would have died. You didn't hear what I said. Are you here with me, church? I said, if not for sin, there's nothing called death. The Bible says in the book of the same Romans chapter 6, it says, for the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is what? So without sin, there's no death. Without sin, there is no death. So at the end of the day, death came into this world. God said to Adam, the very day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Physical death came into this world because of sin. Praise the Lord. And that is what Jesus Christ was sent into this world to come and remedy. Because as long as sin was in the world, as long as man was under sin, there was no way man was going to see the glory of God. There's no way man was going to walk in health. There's no way man was going to walk in prosperity. There's no way man was going to walk in long life because sin will lead to the many evil and wicked things that were happening in the world. Are you here with me? So let's look now at the three components of the good gospel so that we will understand why we are excited today. The death of Jesus was very significant because it is what was required to set us free. Let me tell you. We, I just quoted Romans 6, right? Romans 6, 23 says that for all have sinned, for, sorry, the wages of sin is death. Sorry. So if you ever sin then the obvious is for you to die. Now, get me. Follow me very well because I'm going to take you very deep. Was the death of Jesus just a fashion? Or something that just happened without any meaning? No! It happened with a purpose. Jesus just didn't die for the sake of dying. Why? That this was a mission. God sent Jesus into this world to save us and to reconnect us to God. God had lost man because man had gone his own way. Because of sin, man has chosen his own path. Man has chosen his path of poverty, of sickness and disease, of death. God didn't give that to them. In the beginning, it was not so. God gave them life. God gave them health. God blessed them. God gave them food and gave them everything so that they could enjoy their life. But it was not so when sin came. When man went into sin with the devil, Satan took their health from them. Satan took their life from them. Satan took their prosperity from them. Stagnation was the order of the day. Nothing went on for them. People were struggling. People were suffering. There was nothing good in their life. So if Jesus was going to save these same people from sin, what was going to happen? He needed to die. Because the wages of sin is death. 
and for God to save anyone from sin, then the person must first die. If the person dies and comes out of the death, then then the power of sin will be completely broken. Because then, then the wages of sin would have been paid, which is death. So when he dies, he'll be able to go and rescue those who through sin have become subject of the power of death. Amen, somebody. Now let me show you something. Now go to Second Corinthians chapter number 5. I'm, I'm trying to lay the foundation, so please follow me. I'm laying the foundation. Second Corinthians chapter number 5. Now, we are going to read verse number 21 together. Second Corinthians chapter number 5. Are you there? Let's all read verse number 21 together. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. One to go. For he made in whom you know sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Look at what happened. Jesus knew no sin. But for him to save the human race from the clauses of sin, he was made sin. Sin was put upon him. Yes, he, he was sinless. He had a sinless life. But because of you and I, so that he could save the descendants of Adam from the tyranny of darkness, he was made sin. On the cross, sin of the whole world was placed upon Jesus. And by that sin, that is why Jesus was able to die. I tell you, church, let me tell you, if not for sin, there was no way Jesus was going to die. Because without sin, no one could die. The result of, of sin is death. Anyone who, who experiences death is because the person has tasted sin. Some way, some form, and all of that, probably they didn't know. But the wages of sin is death. So the sin that Jesus was made, made him or granted him the opportunity to die. And why was it so important that he died? If he didn't die, there was no way he was going to meet the devil. And to take the authority back from him. Why? Let me tell you something. Are you here with me? Death. Say death. You know, it's not how many people understand it to be. People think that death is like, okay, I have, I have stopped to live. Like somebody is lying there, mostless. Is it? The person has died. Let me tell you. Death in itself is a type of life. Oh, yes. Death is a state of life that in that life, there's nothing working. When you are experiencing the nature of death, nothing works in your life. There's deterioration. That is why when you see a dead body, the body is able to rot. That is a state of death. That is why when you see anyone's life, that nothing is moving in the person's life. Nothing is going on in the person's life. The person is experiencing a taste of death. Because when you are having death, or when you are experiencing the nature of death, nothing goes on in your life. It is not a cessation to live. I'm telling you that those who will experience the second death, as the Bible calls it, those people will not be like, okay, they, they are not responsive to anything around them. They are going to experience the lake of fire. And in that lake of fire, they are going to know that yes, they are burning, they are suffering. The Bible says that they are going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth, yet they will not die. They will not like stop to exist. If they will not, if they will stop to exist, they wouldn't feel the effect of the fire, would they? They wouldn't. So it was normal. If I uh, they die and then they don't experience the, the fire burning, then it's cool. Then that's not punishment <laughs> in a way. But then they are going to experience the fire and they are going to feel it. And that in itself is a nature of death. Are you here with me? So Jesus died so that he could have access to the one who controls death. 
and then when death the power of death is destroyed mean that man will be released from the dominion of death to now walk in the freedom of life in jesus christ amen so we are building it now turn your bibles with me to first peter chapter number two why the death of jesus christ first peter chapter number number two first peter chapter number two i read verse number 24 first peter chapter number two verse number 24 who himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes what happened to you you were healed verse 25 for you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls you heard it now so people were like sheep going astray sin made people to go astray from god the will of god meant nothing to people after sin came murder came remember the story of cain and abel as soon as sin came into this world cain murdered his brother abel there was no way Cain was going to murder his brother Abel if sin was in, it wasn't in the world. There was going to be people living in harmony. Life was going to be lived in a very pure joy way. Nothing evil was going to happen if it wasn't for sin. But the moment sin entered the world, Satan started destroying people. Why? He knew the purpose of God for man. He knew that man was God's delight. God made man in his old image. He created him out of the dust to look like him and gave him authority over everything. And Satan was jealous. He said, now I have been able to deceive them. I have the authority over them. I am going to mess up them. So he started moving. No wonder people fell sick. People were maimed. People were destroyed. I mean, the dignity of humanity was taken away from them because of sin. And if there was any, any, anything that ought to be done about it, meaning that whoever was going to do it ought to also experience the very same thing that men were going through so that he could save them from sin. Amen. So Jesus' death was symbolic because Jesus died for me. The wages of sin is death. So anyone who sinned ought to also die. If you're going to come out of death, you have to die. And then if you are powerful enough, you can overcome what? Death. And then you'll be set free. Praise the Lord. Now go to Colossians chapter number 2. Now I'm picking up now. We are going to deeper waters now. Colossians chapter number 2. This is so powerful. Now, let's read from verse number 13. Colossians chapter number 2. From verse number 13. It says, And you, being dead in your trespasses, what happened to you? You were dead in your trespasses. The word trespasses means sin. And the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made alive together with him. Having forgiven you all your trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirement. That was against us. Which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. So without the death of Jesus on the, on the cross, there was no way he was going to have triumphant um, victory over the devil. Because he needed to die to go into the realm of the devil. Sin leads you to death and then death leads you into the realm of darkness. 
Are you here with me, somebody? So, for, for anyone to die was to say that this person truly is a sinner. That is why when the soldiers murdered Jesus on the cross, they said, before they realized that he was not a sinner they said oh if you are the son of god and set yourself free he did not sin but then because god made him the sin that he was meant to be to save you and i they started mocking they started laughing at him they said ah if you are the son of god then set yourself free until the whole clouds change and then the whole atmosphere turned dark and one of the soldiers said indeed this man is a righteous man. Why? Because he realized that it doesn't happen often that when a sinner is murdered that the whole atmosphere can change like this. That an earthquake can shake the ground. That the temple can be split into two. That the curtains that is behind the holies of holies could be brought into two. Torn into two. So that what is going to happen the righteous people that were there they all could come out and go to heaven. The death of Jesus was so symbolic because without him dying no sinner was able to pay the price one person brought sin into the world it took only one person to take sin out of the world and that person is jesus amen somebody now now go back to to first corinthians again chapter number 15 i want to show you something very significant first corinthians 15 thank you holy spirit now, I want to read verse number 20 and 21. Now, the emphasis shall be on verse number 21. The emphasis shall be on verse number 21. But now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of all those who have fallen asleep. Now, look at verse 21. For since by man came death. Since by who? Man came what? Dead. By man also came the resurrection of the dead praise the lord it took one man for death to come into the world through sin it took also one man for resurrection to come so that people will have life from today by the death of jesus christ you are coming out of darkness we have been brought out of darkness say by one man so you see jesus is not dealing with the main people god is dealing with the first adam who sinned and then he's dealing with the, the, the Jesus is called the last Adam who came into this world to die for us so God looks at the sacrifice of Jesus and he said anyone who believes in Jesus will not perish you don't have to do it yourself now if you just believe in Jesus because he's the perfect sacrifice for our sin when you believe in Jesus and believe in him alone God now credits into your account righteousness because you could not die yourself. You could not go to the cross. You could not pay the price of sin yourself. All the sins that your, your great 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 father Adam did, you could not pay it yourself. But someone called Jesus, he did it on your behalf. And by believing in Jesus, John 3 is sin set in motion. You will not perish, but you have what? Everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Now go to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. Thank you Lord Jesus. Now I read from verse number 1. It said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we, who did what? 
How shall we who did what? Die to sin. Live any longer in it. What happened to us? We died to sin. It didn't say we died in sin. We died to sin. In other words, we, we dealt a big blow to sin. How was that possible? You're going to see right now. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into his death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. Praise the Lord, somebody. So our death, we did not do the death ourselves. The moment you say, I believe in Jesus, John 16, I believe in Jesus. In my heart, I believe that God raised him from the dead. Now, the moment you make this statement and you pray this prayer, in the eyes and in the heart of God, you have gone through these three processes. You have died. You have been buried. And you have been resurrected from the dead. Are you getting it? Now, by doing these three steps, what happens is that you have now entered into the realm of life. The very life of God. You are no longer having a life of sin and death. You are having the life of Christ in you. Shout a glorious amen, somebody. So I died with Christ. He said, don't you know that as many that were baptized into the, into the Lord Jesus Christ, you have indeed died. Say, I have died already. So all of us here, we've already tasted death before. You may think you have not died before, but you have actually died. Tell your neighbor, you have actually died before. Oh, tell your neighbor, Louis, say you have actually died before. You died in Christ, and Jesus came back to life on your behalf. Amen. So the death is so significant. Because without the death, there's no payment of sin. Now, I love this. Let me say this. You realize that God did not cut corners. Now, some of you might be thinking, and I've heard some, some atheists ask the question before. Is that if God was so loving as you claim him to be, if God was so sovereign as you claim him to be, why didn't he just sit in heaven and declare everybody righteous? Why was Jesus supposed to have come and died? You know, let me tell you something. Can I tell you something? Follow what I'm teaching you very well. The first man was never a spiritual person. In fact, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you something very powerful. Do you know why God can never forgive Satan of what he did? Do you know why? Can I tell you why? I've heard some people ask me, so if God forgives sins, why can't he forgive Satan? He can't forgive Satan and Satan cannot have access to his forgiveness because he's a spiritual being. In the realm of the spirit, what you are is perpetual. is forever. Satan rejected the light that God made him. In fact, Lucifer, the word Lucifer means brightness. Means brightness. Satan had evil in his heart. He didn't want the brightness of God again. He said, no, I want to ascend above God. I want to sit in the very seat of God. He rejected who he was. And in the realm of the spirit, whatever you are, you are forever. That is why anyone who received Jesus and received the life of Jesus, their life is not what, it's not like a hundred years life, a two hundred year life. It's what, it's eternal life. Because that very life you have received from God is spiritual life. It's not a flesh and blood life. It's spiritual. And I'm telling you that anything you are in the spirit is perpetual. It's forever. So Satan, by rejecting what God had made him, 
had assumed a nature that had made him forever. Forever, oh Lord, there's no way that Satan could receive the forgiveness of sin because in the spirit, who you are is forever. And the reason you and I, we were able to receive forgiveness of sin. The reason Jesus had to go to the cross to die was because man was made a natural person. So you realize that in the creation of man this time, God did not create man a spiritual being. He made him a flesh and blood. So that if he messes up like how the spiritual being Lucifer did, he could easily correct it. Because if he had made Adam and Eve spiritual beings, like that sin that Adam did, you and I too would have been finished forever. Are you getting the reality now? So, if Adam and Eve was, were natural people, if I when you read the same First Corinthians chapter 15, you're going to realize that there are types of bodies. There's a spiritual body and there's a natural body. And the Bible says, the spiritual did not come first. The natural came first. When we go back home, when the rapture has come for us to go home, the body we're going to have now will be a spiritual body. The same body that Jesus is having in glory right now. Jesus now is having a spiritual body and that body that Jesus is having is forever. It's perpetual. Are you getting it? This is the physical body. Yes, at the right time it shall be changed to become a spiritual body. So if if Jesus was going to save the natural man from the power of sin, what do you think was supposed to have happened? He was supposed to have become a natural man because God is not natural. The Bible says John chapter 4, God is spirit. Man was not spirit. Do you get it now? Man was not spirit, but God is spirit. Now God had decided, I want to come and save them from their sin. If I want to save them from their sin, I cannot just sit in heaven and declare them righteous because they cannot receive it. They are not spiritual like me, so they cannot receive it. Now I need to take up the form of them. Let's go to Philippians chapter number 2. Now go to Philippians chapter number 2. Now pay attention because we, we are just starting to go deep now. Amen. Philippians chapter number 2. I read from verse number 5. He said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a born servant. That is why he took the form of a man. And coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him. And giving him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and of those on earth. And of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Are you getting it now? So God, Jesus, even though he was God. For him to fully redeem man from the power of darkness. From the nature that took men into the property of sin. He needed to become a natural person. Come on, are you here with me now? He needed to become a natural person. And by becoming a natural person, he was able to not carry our sin. That is why on the cross, Jesus exclaimed, Lord, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why? Because there's no way that God, the Spirit, could be made sin. If God, the Spirit, had been made sin on the cross, I'm telling you, like all of us, we are finished. Are you getting the seriousness of the matter now? So on the cross, 
that you know, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Why? The Bible said he was given birth by a virgin and the Holy Ghost came upon the Virgin Mary. Science has it that the blood of every baby comes from the father and the body comes from the woman. So by, by, by coming upon Mary, the blood that made up the Jesus that walked on the surface of the earth didn't come from any human source. It came from God. So that made him holy. And then when the Holy Ghost came upon Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, God now came and was fully occupying his body on earth. Are you here with me? So on the cross, because God didn't want to be affected by sin so that he would lose everything including himself, he left the man Jesus. He left him on the cross. So Jesus on the cross died as like a normal human being. Are you getting it? He died as a human being. Then when he was buried, he was buried as a human being. And then on the third day, by the power of the Holy Ghost, this man that took our place before the eyes of God, God brought him back to life. So that every human being under this sun who believes and calls upon his name could have the very spiritual life that God has. So that John 3.16 could not be kicked into effect. Praise the Lord, somebody. Are you following now? This is why we mark the death of Jesus. Until he died a natural death. There was no way any natural person would have been saved. Praise the Lord. Now, now that we understand the death, one thing that we don't often talk about is the burial. You know, we often don't talk about the burial of Jesus Christ. We often, we often talk about the death and we talk about the resurrection. But people don't know the significance of the burial. You remember when we were reading John 3.16, I told you to pay attention. Remember? And I told you to take note of the only begotten son when we are reading it. Now, turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter number um, 1. Please follow me and follow me very, very attentively. Something will jump up to you pretty soon. Why is the burial so important in the gospel that we preach? Why is the burial important in making our good news story complete? Revelation chapter number 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, okay, the Lord is instructing me to change it. Put your finger in Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to go back there. Now go to John chapter 12. You will not understand Revelation 1 until you read John 12. Go to John chapter number 12. Are you there? We are reading John 12, 24. John chapter number 12, verse number 24. Now it says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies take note of that unless a grain falls to the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies it produces much grain did you see that unless something is buried and dies how many of you have been to the farm before you've been to the farm let me see you by hand you know usually what we do is that we bury the seed now that seed that you sow in the ground what happens the seed doesn't come back alone it comes back with fruits so if it is a corn seed you put a corn in the ground now the process of germination involves that the seed dies until the seed dies in the ground 
The seed cannot germinate much fruit. Now listen. When Jesus came into this world to do the work that he did, the Bible said he was the only begotten son. He was the what? The only begotten son. Now, some of us, we call ourselves we are the children of God. We are the children of God. And you don't understand why we say we are the children of God. Now, look at it from this angle. That Jesus was like that one seed. That had to be buried. In death. So that many seeds and many sons of God could come out. So the burial was so important. Because after the seed had died. The seed ought to be buried. So that when that seed is coming back to life, it does not come back alone. It comes back with other kind of fruit, other fruit alongside that very fruit. So that seed does not remain alone. That seed comes out with many, many other harvests so that the seed will become plenty. Are you here with me? Now, the way you are looking at me, you are not getting it. When the seed buries, it's buried in the ground. When the harvest is coming, it does not come with that same seed. So if one seed is buried, it comes with about 1,000 fruits or harvest from that same seed. But what happened is that when that seed went to the ground, it ought to die. Until the seed dies, there is no harvest. Jesus was that seed. That God, he's planted in the ground on behalf of the whole world. So that by his burial, what happens is that there are many sons of God that has come out of the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. Are you here with me? So now go to Revelation chapter number 1 again. Go, go to Revelation. We, we, we wanted to read that. Revelation chapter number 1. Now this is getting exciting now. Revelation chapter number 1. I read verse number 5. Okay, let me do 4 and 5 because usually I always want to get you the context. Verse number 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ. Now pay attention. The faithful witness. The now what? Can we read it together? The what? The firstborn from where? Oh. That we have some witnesses in the house. Now Jesus, who was the only begotten in John 3.16, is no longer the only begotten. Because that seed, until it is buried, it remains alone. So if Jesus, if he died and was not buried, he would have still remained the only begotten. But the moment he was buried, now what happens is that he was no longer the only begotten of the Father. Just like that seed that was buried and came with many fruit, Jesus, by his burial, brought up many 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 sons of whom you and I we are part of shout a glorious amen somebody so he's no longer the only begotten son again he's now the first born from the dead who were dead you and I we were all dead in our sins until Jesus came so when Jesus came and he died and he was buried now just like that seed God has been able to raise many more sons. So God doesn't only have only begotten son again. Now he has many, many, many sons. Shout a glorious amen, somebody. He's the, he's the firstborn. So Jesus is your senior brother. He's your Lord. 
He is the leader that took your place. He, it's like you know, like you have a senior brother, and then you have some friends who used to bully you, and then your your senior brother came and gave it to the the, the guys who have been bullying you, and say, hey, let's go. From today, if I see you playing with my brother again, you are in trouble. That is exactly what Jesus did to the devil. He came as the only begotten son, but he did not go back to heaven as the only begotten son. He went back to God the Father as the firstborn from those who are dead. And then before God, he said, God, Father, I have many sons now. I went to the mission one man, but I have brought many, many sons to your glory. May the Father be excited by you being his son. Amen, somebody. So Jesus died. So his burial was so important as as well as his death. Colossians chapter number one. Look at Colossians chapter number one. It's so powerful. Ah, we are moving into deeper waters. Colossians chapter number one. Look at verse number 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning? Look at what happened again. The what? The firstborn from the dead. And now, listen, it was John who wrote the book of Revelation. Paul wrote the book of Colossians. And they are both speaking the same thing. That Jesus is the firstborn from those who are dead. Wow. Leading triumphantly. And then all of his siblings are following him. You are a child of God because Jesus died in your place. And then he was buried so that he could produce many sons. So that you can walk in the glory of God. Amen. Somebody. No wonder the Bible says in Romans 8.14. As many that are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Now God is not just talking about one son again. He's talking about many sons. He brought only begotten. But now he has many begotten. You are part of God's family in Jesus name. So until he was buried. There wasn't going to be any resurrection. That would bring many many sons. Amen. So when you tie up this one to John 3.16. You realize that. You don't, you don't have to look at it that oh, is only because John, when he was speaking in John 3 16, he was speaking before the death and the burial and the resurrection. He was speaking from the angle when Jesus came into the world for the very first time. He came for the very first time as the only begotten. But when the mission was done, there are many sons and daughters of God. Amen. Now go to the next chapter in the same book of Colossians, chapter number two. Colossians, chapter number two. I love to teach you the word. You know, when the word comes alive like this, that is what brings faith and revelation. I get what I'm saying. Colossians chapter number 2. I read from verse number 11. Let me take it from verse number 11. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made with our hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of the Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all your trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against us which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross Having the same principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So when Jesus got into the lower part of the world, do you know what he did? He went straight to the devil. Now, Jesus defeated the devil as a normal man. Don't, don't even think about the fact that, you know, in the grave, God was with Jesus. Then. No! 
You remember when we read Second Corinthians? No, First Corinthians chapter fifteen twenty-one. He said, "Through one man, death came into the world. Through one man, righteousness has come." So, in the grave, in the lower part of the world, Jesus was dead, like any of the man that was dead because of sin. And then he went straight to the devil and said, "Devil, I have come for my siblings." Since the day Adam sinned, you have plagued this world with all sorts of problems. Look at how people are suffering in poverty. Look at how they are dying for no reason. God didn't create any human being for him to die. God never brought you into this world for you to be poor, to be sick, to suffer, to be stagnated in life. That nothing could go on well with you. No way. That is not your portion in Jesus' name. Jesus went straight and looked at the devil. I said, devil, today I am taking all the captives. I'm taking them as my captives now. From today, I'm setting them free from your authority. So in, in the grave, in hell, in the darkest part of the world, Jesus waged war against. You see, do you know what happened? Satan rebelled against God. And Jesus went to hell to rebel against Satan. As someone, because so far as you understand, there's no way you can rebel against Satan. He was your master. He was your master. The same way when Lucifer, Satan, was under righteousness, the star of the morning, and was all beautiful things found in him. The same way he rebelled against God, and then he lost his place. The same way Jesus went to hell and rebelled against the Lord of sin, of sin and death. He rebelled against Satan, and then what did he do? He tried. He made a public spectacle. Do you know what that means? In other words, before those who were captives under Satan, Jesus held the nose and the ears of Satan. I said, is this your champion? Your champion is no longer a champion. I've defeated him. Come on, those who believe in me. Let's get out of this place. And Jesus led all the captives away because he triumphed over the devil through the cross. Amen. Whatever has held you down today, it lives your life in Jesus' name. You didn't say good. I said, whatever has held you down by the triumphant work of Jesus, it is living you right now in Jesus' name. Maybe you didn't know ignorance is one of the reasons many believers are who they are it's not because jesus has not saved them it's because they don't know they don't know that jesus has set them free he triumphed over the devil so that they can be set free from today whatever has delayed your progress you are being released to enjoy your progress in the name of jesus say i've been set free so the burial is important without the burial there are no many sons now we have many sons now you can shout Abba Father. You can call God your Father. Because it's not only Jesus who calls God his Father. You remember what he said when he was living. He told the disciples, I am going to my God and your God and to my Father and your Father. Wow. He didn't say, you know, first when Jesus was speaking to them, he said, my Father, my Father. Now, he said, no, he's not only my Father again. He's all of us our Father. I'm going to our God and I'm going to our Father. May the Father be revealed to you in Jesus name I, I love calling God father a lot because you see by calling him father it brings a revelation that you will not get when you no, you, you, you should see him as God no problem but calling him father Jesus most of the time called him father by calling him father you are claiming that he is the source of your life father means source so by saying God is my father you see when he was even teaching them how to pray the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter 6 they say when you pray, pray like this. Our what? Our Father. He didn't say our God. They just say our Father. Because the moment you say our Father, 
who art in heaven. The moment you say those words, you have put God in a fatherhood corner that he has no option than come and take care of you as a father. Are you getting it now? Many people have known God to be to be just God, an object of worship. But they didn't know that God was beyond an object of worship. God is a father who demands relationship. God is a God of relationship. And until you see him as your father, you cannot have that kind of relationship that a father and a child have. But from today, may you enjoy the benefit of your father. Amen. Now, the three aspects of our gospel, and usually we, we celebrate it on the third day, is the resurrection. You know, someone is coming to teach on Sunday, so I don't know the line that the Holy Spirit will take him. The resurrection. Say the resurrection. Oh, say it. Say the resurrection. Now, without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Many people had come into this world claiming to be Christ. They died. They never came back to life. Many people had come into this world claiming that they were sent by God. They died. We know their burial site. Their bones. Some of them, they gathered their bones. Is it Buddha? Is it... Um, uh, which are, All the religions they call themselves. All of them say they know God. It's not about knowing God. I've asked this question before. There's only one entrance to a house. If you go into the house via any other way, who are you called? You're a thief. Are you here with me? And Jesus claimed, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one, no one, say no one. No one gets to the Father except through me. None of those other people who claim they are religious, whatever, could say that. None. Is it Muhammad? Is it Buddha? Is it Chantua? No, no, no. no. Name all the religions. There are have thousands of religions in the world. I think over 4,000 religions. Name one of them who was, who their leader, their founder was bold enough to say, I am the way to God. But Jesus was bold and said it. He said, I'm the way to the Father. Nobody could go to God except for you. Without a resurrection, let me tell you, Christianity does not exist. Because they too, they died. Um, whatever. You know them. All the other founders of the other religions, they too, they died. They too, they were buried. But none of them came back to life. Are you getting it now? So it's not about the death per se. It's not about the burial per se. It's about the resurrection. Are you here? That is why in our anchor scripture for this conversion, in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, if the dead does not come back to life, then our faith is empty. If the dead does not come back to life, then our faith is empty. Sit upright. At the end of the day, if Jesus did not come back to life, I'm telling you, then there's nothing called Christianity. So the resurrection is where the power is. If anybody's sin was going to be written off, then that person ought to just to first die, buried, and that person ought to come back to life. So what happened? By the power of God on the third day, God raised Jesus back to life. So that by resurrecting him to life, he confirms that indeed someone has paid the penalty and the sins of the whole world. Amen. 
Now go to John chapter number 11. John chapter number 11. Matose Cabranda. John chapter number 11. Verse number 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Could you imagine? Do you ever hear anyone else say, I am the resurrection? Nobody, no one was able to say, I am the resurrection. Most of them, they'll say, I am a prophet of God. I am, I am sent by God. <laughs> I came from God. Now, you can come from God. But Jesus took the level to another, another height. Say, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, if you can be the resurrection, now tell me. <laughs> it was only him who said it. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? <laughs> That's a simple question. If you don't believe that the dead can come back to life, then, then you don't believe in Jesus. If you are doubting, if you think the dead cannot come back to life, then let me tell you, you don't have salvation. Because it's in the resurrection that your sins is truly proven to have been paid. The wages of sin is death, right? Okay. Now, if you die, you have paid the sin. Does it end there? God doesn't want you to just pay the sin. God wants you to be reconnected to him. You, he gave you life and then you lost it through sin. If you have paid the ultimate price, then come back home. If, if you are not ready to come back home, then you have not even paid it. Because the goal is not just for you to die. The goal was not for Jesus to just die on the cross and be buried. The goal was for him to reconcile the world to him. He wanted the world back. He wanted his people back. He wanted human beings back. He wanted us back. He couldn't have allowed us to die and be buried and not coming back home. And the resurrection was what was going to bring us back home. And by the power of God and the glory of God, Jesus was brought back so that by coming back we were reconciled with the father amen somebody luke 24 luke 24 luke 24 every verse number six he is not here the time that jesus died but is risen Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Without a resurrection, the gospel is not complete. Yes, it is good news that Jesus died on our behalf. It is good news that he was buried on our behalf. But it is much better news that he was brought back to life. And by coming back to life, now you can live without the power of death hanging over your neck. You can live without going and living a life. See, that is why in Christ we have been set free. Do you get it now? Because nobody dies and ever comes back to life by the power of God. Before Jesus came. Now we have somebody who died. And by the dead, God brought him back and said, okay. Now, anyone who believes in this resurrection, the problems that are associated with sin and death, you are no more part of it. Today, I declare by your life any mark of sin and death in your life, any kind of story written by sin and death, today it is blotted away by the resurrection of the Father. In the name of Jesus, 
By the resurrection of Jesus, you walk free from the authority of sin and death. In Jesus' name. Romans 8. It says, There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. No condemnation for you. Why? Because at the end of the day, what happens is that you have been set free. Amen. Say, I've been set free. First Peter chapter number 1. First Peter. You know, when people are celebrating Easter and they don't know why they are, they are celebrating, it's not just, just to go to Mass and then be kind. No, no. There's, there, there's something powerful that you need to understand. And I believe that from today, you're going to walk in that newness of revelation in Jesus' name. First Peter chapter number 1, I read verse number 3. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy, has begotten us has what i thought he was only begotten now he has begotten us he has given birth to us again to a living hope through what through what the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead shout a glorious amen so until jesus resurrected from the dead god did not have many sons so the resurrection brought us the sonship status. Are you here with me? I told you that he died. Yes, he died for everybody. He was buried. Every seed ought to be buried and die in the ground so that it could produce more. Now, when God brought Jesus from the dead, he has begotten us. We now, he now has many, 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 many sons. May the resurrection be your mark forever in Jesus' name. The resurrection is so powerful. The resurrection is what marks our true identity in God. Anybody who walks in the knowledge of the resurrection, you know that Satan has no power over you. Are you getting it now? Because sin produces his death. Anyone who dies is buried. Now, you have died, you have been buried, and you have been resurrected. Are you not superior than death? Are you not superior than sin? Because now you are not walking in death. You are not walking in burial. You are walking in the resurrection. That is why Christianity is a life. A product out of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came out of the grave. Triumphantly. He said now anyone who believes in me. That I have come out from the grave. And I am alive forevermore. You now have this life that I have. The old life of sin and death. I have buried it. I left it down there in the grave. Now I'm living a brand new life. Anyone who believes in Jesus is not believing in the Jesus on the cross. Is not believing in the Jesus in the grave. Is believing in the resurrected Jesus because the newness of life is in His resurrection. Without the resurrection, there's no newness of life. But by the newness of life, we live as God intends us to live. We live above sickness and disease. We live above problems. We live above death. You can live in the resurrection and don't taste death because the one who is living in the resurrection had already died, had already been buried and has now been brought out from the dead enjoying the freedom of God in Christ Jesus shout a glorious amen somebody this is the revelation you must carry you know there are some people who have the belief that oh we are in this world anyone who is in this world you are born you grow up you go to school you marry you give birth you raise family and then you die many people are just living their life expecting to die but Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life if you believe in it if you are living if you want to, you will not die. This is some of the revelation we carry here. Jesus' own words. He said, if you he said, the one that are dead, if they believe in me, they will go back to life. And those who are living, if they believe in the resurrection, that I'm the resurrection and life, they will also not die. Which one do you want? 
We have already said it, it, it's not because when you, you die, you won't go and see your father. You go and see your father. I've tested death twice, so I know what it is. I see, I want to be part of those whom the Lord Jesus will appear in the sky, and I'm alive. And then the Bible says in the same book of First Corinthians, it said, The dead in the Lord will be brought up first, and those of us who are alive will also be caught up in the sky. I want to be caught up in the sky. I want to meet the Lord life. I don't want to meet him through death. Yes, even if you, when you die, you still go and meet the Lord. No problem. The Bible says, absent from the body is presence with the Lord. There's no, there's no problem, but I want a better option. If you want to meet the Lord through death, I don't have a problem with you. Maybe I will not come and bury you. I'll not come and do your funeral service. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> ah, but you can go. There are people who went to heaven without going through death. What about them? What about them? You want to experience death and your body will go six feet and then your body will rot and then the Lord will come and raise it up? No way. You will live until the Lord returns. I said you will see him in the sky and I can tell you for a fact Jesus is coming soon. So you better get ready and meet him in the sky. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter number four, five, sorry. These are some of the revelations that the early church they were teaching the church and, and it was so awesome. Second Corinthians chapter number five, verse number fourteen. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if anyone, if one died, sorry, if one died for all, then all did what? All died. So one person, all died. One person committed one sin, all sin. One person died, all has died. Do you get it now? So it, God only needed one representation. It doesn't need many people. It doesn't need all of you to die. If you can acknowledge that, okay, Milgal is the one who is paying the sacrifice for all of us. No problem. Then I'll deal with this person. So if you believe that she did it, then all of us, we have done it. That's all. That is the principle of God. He doesn't want you to say, okay, each one have to die for himself or herself. No. It was a long process. Imagine 7 billion people dying for their own sin. Like every year, you could imagine the funeral that is going on in the world people will be just every every weekend they'll be buried like 10 million people or uh, every year they'll be buried so that you can die buried and be resurrected i get it so that you can live for god but god said no this workload i don't have time one person committed the sin the whole world sin one person must die and the whole world will be free and jesus was that one person whom god sent into the world one representation dying for the whole world a real human being not a spirit being when jesus came back from the dead and he met the disciples at the at the sea what did he say they thought it was a ghost they thought it was a spirit he said okay what do you have you have bread you have fish bring it spirits don't eat bread and fish so bring it let's have breakfast they brought the fish and the bread and then he ate he said see do spirits have flesh do spirit have bones look at where my nails were hit and they saw him because Jesus was a real human being who was killed and came back to life as a real human being. It was not a ghost who came back to life. It's not I have seen Caesar, Caesar, Gonyo, Caesar, uh, Samai, you know. It's not Caesar. There's no something called Caesar, Gonyo, ghost, whatever. There's nothing like that. Amen. Yeah, if somebody has died and you saw some, somebody like that, you have seen some demon. Amen, somebody. If there was some um, sister gonyo whatever you you some of you will not be sleeping at night amen yeah so real jesus tell me about real jesus came back from the grave real human being came back from the grave he said give me the food give me the bread and the fish let me eat ghosts don't eat bread are you getting it ghosts don't eat 
That is why when people say angels came to sleep with men, I wonder what they are talking about. Spirits sleeping with human beings. Hey. Spirits sleeping with human beings to have children. I see. One day I'll teach you about it. Amen. So what happened? Verse 14. One died for all, then all died. Say all died. Now he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Praise the Lord. He died so that we will live for him. So I live for Christ. Now he is resurrected. We are living in his resurrection. The life to be born again is living in the resurrection. In the resurrected life, there's no sickness. There's no poverty. You are free from all the problems of the world. Say, I'm free. You didn't say, say, I'm free. No issue can bind you. You you have been given authority. Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now go and make disciples of all nations. Say, I have the authority. Matthew 16, Jesus said, I've given you the keys. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth is lose in heaven. It is the one that has authority that can bind and lose. And until you die, be buried and resurrected, you cannot have access to authority. But Jesus died and he was buried and he was raised from the dead. Now he has authority over every kind of spirit and living far above all principalities and powers. What are you doing with your resurrected life? Amen. That is why in this church we teach you to have the mentality of freedom. Because in Christ we have been set free. No devil can sit in upon your life and frustrate you. No demon can dictate to you. Because in the resurrected life there is freedom. And in this life we live in the will of God. We live to please the Father. We live a glorious life. Because we are living the way that God intended us to live. You live in health. You live in prosperity. You live in progress. You live in abundance. You live in increase and multiplication. You live in joy. You live in peace. These are all the works of the Spirit. And in the Spirit, there's nothing like bad news. In the Spirit, there's always good news in the name of Jesus. Shout, I live for God. I live for God. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20. Now, I want to read from verse number 4. Maybe you have not seen it. I want to show you something really awesome. Revelation chapter number 20. I read from verse number 4. It said, And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and it has sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. <laughs> or on their way. Their hands. You on their hands, oh. On their hands. You know. Something is going on in the world. Being given on their hands. I'll talk about it. (laughs) On their hands. Amen. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who is part of the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. 
But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with Him a thousand years. Praise the Lord, somebody. So, those of us living in the resurrection, we have security. Say security. We are secure. The second death, I, I have said it somewhere, because there are some people who, are, who, who say that, oh, you know, when the first Adam sinned, and when God said, if you eat of the fruit, you will die. So, when Adam ate the fruit, he died spiritually. No, Adam never died spiritually. I've explained it. If he ever died spiritually, all of us would have been kapush, dead. Nobody dies spiritually and ever receive life. Nobody. Are you here with me? So Adam never died spiritually. That is why there has been only one type of death in this world. Physical death. And what is in that the second death is not the spiritual death. The second death is the spiritual death. In the second death, anyone who dies spiritually, you are forever dead. That is why you and I, we have to go and preach the gospel. Some people will escape the physical death. What if they don't escape the second death? That is more serious. The only thing that can help someone escape the second death, which is the spiritual death, which is a perpetual death, they will be in the lake of fire. They will be burning, yet they will not die as you understand death. They will be burning. How many of you have seen a volcano in the, in the, on the TV before? Yeah, volcano. You see how the liquid magma will be flowing. And imagine people think they are in a in the pond swimming but they are shouting screaming they are being bent second death they will suffer forever say forever no that is why the story of the rich man and lazarus he said he said he was telling abraham kindly tell lazarus you let him just dip his finger in a cup of water and drop that drop in my tongue could you imagine that they were so thirsty that they were even looking for a drop of water a drop, just a finger drop of water to quench or to have a taste of what water is but they could not have it that is the experience of the second death so terrible you, you should not be happy that someone is going into the lake of fire that is why you must preach the resurrected life you must tell people Jesus died for your sins he was buried for your sins and then he was resurrected for your glory don't allow sin to take you into the lake of fire in that place Today you are eating spaghetti and, and, and drinking whatever, whatever. In that place, you would long for a drop of water. Just a drop of water and you will not get one. It's so terrible. Are you getting it now? Jesus. No, God knowing how terrible it's going to be for those who be sent into the lake of fire. That is why he sent Jesus to come and save us. Because he couldn't have stand it. He couldn't have, he couldn't have contained it. That he was going to see the whole human race together in the lake of fire with the devil. He couldn't have. So he said, let me do something about it. Yet, there are human beings here in this world who are rejecting the gospel. Go out there and preach. If they reject it, you have done your part. God will not ask you, why that brother or sister in your area, why haven't you shared the gospel with him or her? You walk past people and you come to church. You don't tell them, hey, come on, let's go to church. Jesus loves you. This is the time for evangelism. This is the time to preach the gospel. God, through Jesus, has saved the entire world from experiencing this second death. In his resurrection, he has taken us, you know, he has pulled us out of fire. Now go to Titus. 
Go to Titus. Let me show you something. Titus. Are you in Titus? Thank you, Lord Jesus. For the grace, verse 11. Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter number 2. I read verse number 11. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What has appeared? Salvation. Say salvation. Salvation has appeared to all men. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brought us salvation. Amen. We have been set free. Say, have been set free. We have been set free to go and enjoy a glorious life. Nothing of the enemy can touch us. Because if he was going to touch us, we should have been in sin. But what happened to us? Our sins have been paid for. Oh, come on, shout the glorious amen. Our sins have been paid for. We are no longer under sin. We are no longer under the shadows of death. Why? Because we are no longer under the authority of the enemy. When we read, you know, the book of 2 Corinthians 5.21, it said Jesus was missing so that you and I will become the righteousness of God. We are the very right thing before God. We are those who do the right things. The right things that God subscribes to. Not, not the right things in our own eyes, but the right things that God subscribes to. The things that bring good pleasure to God. Those are the things that we do. We have been saved from the evil, the evil and the wicked things of this world. And we have been brought into rightness with God. In us, when God looks at you, he said, I am pleased. Because when God looks at you, he said, this is my beloved child. It's my beloved daughter. The same way he said about Jesus. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He will say the same things about you. Because you are working in health. You are working in prosperity. You are working in life. You are working about sin. Sin cannot have dominion over you. Because you have paid your price of, of sin and death in Jesus. And in Christ now, you are free from sin. In the name of Jesus. Shout, I'm free from sin. I'm free from sin. Now let's do last two verses then we are out. Colossians 1.13. Colossians 1.13 Colossians, the book of Colossians chapter number 1 verse 13 He said He has delivered us from the power of what? Darkness and conveyed say convey He has transported us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins praise the lord are you here with me what has happened to us he has transported us he has taken us from the domain of darkness and has taken us into where this place where he god is every everything that ever stood for sin anything that stood for sin before jesus christ came god has taken us from that domain and he has brought us into the place where you have your freedom shout i have my freedom so i have been you are no longer under the power of darkness say i'm no longer under the power of darkness sin romans 6 14 for sin shall not have dominion over you 
because you have been taken away from sin and then you have been brought under the power of God. Now I don't live in sin again because Jesus paid my sins for me. Oh, I'm no longer dead because Jesus died on my behalf. Now I've been brought back to life. I have the very life of God. The very spiritual life that makes God God. I am unique. I'm different in my life. When people look at me, they see the glory of God. They don't see the things that are in the world in me. They see the things that are of God in me. I live in him. I move and I have my being because I live in the resurrected life. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. In the resurrected life, everything that I do prospers because in this life, there's only multiplication, increase, prosperity, abundance. The things that bring stagnation have been taken away from me. I buried all of those things in the grave. When Jesus walked out triumphantly, I also I walked out triumphantly. I live in the glorious times. I live in the beautiful life. I live in abundance. I live in power. No weapon can work against me. You declare like this and the devil will salute you and say, I know who you are. He said these things about, listen, the, the, the seven sons of Skeev, the Skeever, they wanted to go and cast a demon. He said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? Many people want to cast out demons, but they don't know who they are. The devil knows who, who know themselves. You didn't hear what I said. I said, the devil, he knows those who know themselves. If you don't know yourself, the devil will tell you who you are. If you know yourself too, the devil will salute you. Say, I, I know you. You are a child of God. May the devil recognize your power and authority in the name of Jesus. There are some, there are some people, the devil does not fear them. Come out! And the devil will be laughing. The demon will be laughing as well. You, what power do you have? Because you yourself, you don't know what you carry. But that name is above every other name. See, it's above every other name. It says, at the mention of the name of Jesus. Why? It is that name. It's that name of that human being. Okay, that God man that went to the devil. You see, if somebody had beaten him before, when you hear the name of that person from afar, no, you must show. Bah. Have you been there before? When the person who beat you, when you see the person coming, your jump just your heart just jumps out of your heart. Your heart, it jumps out from his, your heart. Your heart, oh, it will jump. Say, no, this guy, if he gets me, he'll beat me again. That is what Jesus does to the Satan, to the devil. Every time the devil hears the name of Jesus, he jumps. Say, it is this guy who came to whip me in my territory. May you continue to enforce the victory of God over your life. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Because of the resurrection, Satan is afraid of the name of Jesus. And that is why tonight you are going to invoke that name over your life. Anything that you see, the devil takes advantage of your ignorance. He knows that you don't know that he's the one behind it. He, he, he thinks he's not. He, he, you must know. The Bible says we are not ignorant about the devices of the devil. Whatever Satan is doing in your body, maybe through some pain or sickness today, it will leave you by the resurrection power. Today, whatever is going through in your life that is not bringing you joy, to the extent that you want to give God the glory, that thing is leaving you. Whatever is not bringing you joy is leaving you. Now, let's be on our feet. Even as we turn our Bibles to Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5 and we are all going to read verse number 1 and 2 together let's all turn our Bibles open our Bibles to Galatians chapter number 5 we are going to read verse number 1 and 2 together so if you are there if you are there let me know wave your hand if you are there Galatians 5 1 and 2 1 to go stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again 
with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again, that if every man becomes circumcised, that is a debtor to keep the whole law. Now look at what he said. We are done. He said, we should not be entangled again by the yoke of slavery. Say, I shall no longer be under any bondage. I am no longer under any bondage. Oh, I'm no longer under any bondage. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I have been set free. In every area of my life, I experience freedom. I have power. I have glory. I have authority. I walk in the grace of the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for being a part of today's message. This program was brought to you by the friends and partners of the Spirit Life people. For further information, kindly visit us at www.thespiritlifepeople.com or subscribe to our podcasts and YouTube channels or find us on all major social media platforms. Stay blessed and always remember that in Christ Jesus, we are free.